Hello. Hello. Salam and good evening to you, worthy friend. Please, please, come closer. Uh, too close, a little too close. Hello and welcome to another edition of the show. It's me and Alan. You alright, Adam? How are you doing? <laughs> I'm alright. I'm just trying to remember. You just told me what episode we're on. And I've completely forgotten. Is it 172? Okay, it's 172. Yeah. And uh, are you alright? Because we haven't spoken for a couple of weeks, have we? Yeah, we've, uh, we've had a little bit of time off. But we did. Yeah, I'm absolutely doing fine. Good. I'm, uh, keeping it together. Keeping it together. Let's get together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're having the last week of the school holidays, so um, we've our kids have had seven weeks off. And, and they're about ready to go back? Back on Tuesday. Tuesday, okay. So we are, we're back here already, which is good. Uh, but uh, thank you for joining us, as always. It is a Disney Brit radio show. We've got some great stuff for you again, as always. We've got a little bit of uh, news that we're going to share with you. Um, then I want to talk about two kind of very topical topics, I suppose. Back in the end of July... Sort of beginning of August time, there was some news that came out with regards to Disneyland Paris and possible accusations of price fixing. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about that and kind of our opinions on, on what we think about that. And also I had the uh, great privilege, I suppose, or I was lucky enough to head to Dismalland um, up in Western Supermare, which uh, is kind of a Banksy art exhibition, which uh, kind of people were a little bit a lot of Disney fans are a little bit up in arms over the fact that uh, he seems to be using Disney as a scapegoat, etc, etc. And I thought, I'll go along, give it a go, I'm going to see what it's like. And I thought we'd talk about it and explain a little bit about how Disney is used and kind of a little bit more about that. And it uh, should be really interesting. So I know a lot of our, my US friends on Facebook and things like that all said, um, oh, we really want to go, we're really interested in it, we really want to go and see it. So uh, I'll be explaining a little bit about that as well. And that's pretty much the show. That should Sounds be right, how, how's your training going? Ready for a couple of weeks' time, anyway? Um, I've been trained... Um, well, let's put it back this way. Back in about, I don't know, May, June time, I did a 10K run. Yeah. Now, this obstacle course that we're doing in two weeks' time is a 10K run with um, some ridiculous obstacles in it. And I've not hit 10K again since that day back in May, June. Yeah, well, I've not either, but I'm not too concerned about it because of the fact that, um, although it's a 10K run it's not a full 10k in one go you're going to stop obstacles and things like that so yeah, it'll yeah. be fine it'll be good oh. it's in um it's in milton Keynes, which uh, for those of you who don't know is about an hour outside of london something like that um yeah. so we're going there we're good it'll be fun to have a like a big team of people together one one year yeah to do it. yeah yeah it would be yeah definitely but it's although it's called the rock solid it's not the toughest obstacle course not by a long shot no not very long shot. Seen one that looks absolutely stupid. There's one called Tough Mudder, which is uh, the most insane. But uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later on. Uh, let's do some Disney news and rumours. Good morning, sire. Good morning, Zazu. Checking in with the morning report. Fire away.
Okay then. It's uh, Disney news and rumours. So, uh, Alan, what have you got for us? Um, Marimoto coming soon. And uh, Magic Dining Month also coming soon. So it's food related this week then. Yeah. So do you want to talk about your uh, little food item? What you got going on there? Yeah. And you know what? I've actually closed my windows down. So I've now lost half my story. Oh, that's not good. Shall I start with mine then? Okay, so two of Walt Disney World's, uh, well, the Walt Disney World area restaurants are taking part in Orlando's Magical Dining Month. This is something that happens every single year. Both Il Molino, New York, Trattoria at the Swan and Todd English's Blue Zoo at the Dolphin are taking part in this Magical Dining Month. Begins the 24th of August, uh, well, it's already begun. It's continuing all the way through September. um, And select Orlando restaurants are offering a fixed price menu for just $33. You get an appetizer, entree, and dessert included, and uh, $1 from each meal will be donated to the Elevate Orlando charity. So it's $33 plus uh, tax and a tip, uh, as is added onto it as well, for these particular restaurants. Also taking part is Ravello, which is nearby at the Four Seasons Resort. They've got a load of stuff off property as well that's going on. Um, but what's really good to see is that uh, there's some on property uh, resorts that are going to be uh, doing it as well. Um, some really interesting food coming up at the uh, Il Molino. Some you've got salmon in there you've got uh, some uh, pasta dishes as well and some really nice looking desserts in your tiramisu and then again there's some fish and chicken courses over at todd english's blue zoo have you ever eaten at either of these i've never been i know that the um swan and dolphin always push food events Mm. well they have their kind of own mini food and wine festival don't they yeah i've never been in i've i've been to the outside of i think the dolphin get the boat um to get it was well we got the um the bus there to then go and do the mini golf to go oh, and do right. fantasia gardens so that's the only time i've ever visited i haven't really gone into the resort properly so it's i've heard a lot of people talk good things about both il molino and uh, blue zoo but i've never actually been inside myself yeah i've, I've fancied it a few times but i don't know you, you go for two weeks and there's so many options to do yeah and I don't know. To to me, going to going to those resorts, it's not my priority. If if I've started, if I've run out of other options, I'll start to filter into that one. I think. That's the thing is, they're not particular restaurants that you go. Oh, I must visit those because there's something particularly special about them. They are a good value resort if you're looking for somewhere on site that's not as expensive as some of the Disney hotels. But it's not a place that I can say is is really up there as part of my plans for a trip to Florida. But, um, the price that's part of this sort of um, deal $33 for a three course meal yeah same great value isn't it yeah really good that's one I like about this this magical dining month thing that it actually does have some really great um, great deals in there as well and obviously there's a lot of on-site and off-site properties and having looked at the um, the kind of list of restaurants that are in there there's loads particularly if you the Disney Lake Buena Vista area there's about 10 listed there that you can go and stay in uh, go and eat in. Um, so there's a, a massive list. You've got convention area. There's loads. Down in downtown, there's quite a few. There's there's just no end of stuff going on, which is really good. Sounds fantastic. What's also interesting is Universal City Walk have got loads as well. Right. And actually, the Lowe's Royal Pacific Hotel and the uh, Hard Rock Cafe, the Port the Royal Pacific, the Portofino Bay, and Hard Rock are all taking part in it. Um, so that's interesting that. Universal hotels are and Disney hotels aren't necessarily. So Universal jumped on it further than there. Uh, yeah, it seems so. There you go. Right, what's your news? 
Um, yeah, so the... I, I can barely say this word. Morimoto. Yeah. I don't know if that's probably... Murray what? Morimoto. <laughs> Morimoto. Morimoto. Sounds like some sort of uh, commentator for Formula One. <laughs> should, should get Chris to say this. I'm sure you'd uh, mess it up even further. <laughs> um, the new is a new restaurant opening at the Disney Springs. Yes. And it is rumoured to be opening up on the end of this month. Yeah, they're Maybe. expecting it to, aren't they? Yeah, 30th of um, September. Now, you're going to be able to book tables there as of the 16th of September via Open Table. Right, now, okay. Um, I'm trying to think what it's called. That boat house? The Yes, the boat house, which is the one owned oh, by the same people who own T-Rex and Rainforest Cafe. Yes. Um, when that first started to take reservations, it was only available via Open Table. And I've got to admit that when I tried to find it on there yeah. for my last trip, I couldn't find it. But by that point, it then started to get converted over to the the normal dining system. Yeah. So you can book it on Open Table from the 16th of September. But um, it's going to be on Disney Online Dining Reservation System um, from the 1st of November. So you've got a little bit longer to wait. But you could actually go and make a reservation direct at the restaurant from the 30th of September. Okay, so they're expecting food to be somewhere between 30 and $60, is it, I believe? Um, could be. It's um, it's it's supposed to be, it's supposed to be quite a, a grand um, restaurant, actually. Yeah, certainly looking at the artwork that's been out, um, it's looking really good. Yeah, they've got massive. Like a massive glass sort of frontage on it. Yeah, it's... Um, I can't remember what the, on, what's on the top of the building now. Something on top of the building. It's over downtown Disney, isn't it? Not yeah, downtown. it's it's themed to something, isn't it? If I remember rightly. It's the Springs Bottling. That's it. Company. Yeah, that's the one. I'm trying to think, it was, it's, it's where Pleasure Island used to be, isn't it? But it seems massive on the inside. Um, a big, massive space. I wonder whether it's going to be multi multi floored or. Um, well, I don't know if we've actually talked about this in the past. Um, but there is going to be um, there's a three-story glass corner which is yeah. going to be sort of giving you sort of fantastic views. Yeah. And um, there's a, one floor which has got a sushi bar on it. Nice. Um, I'm trying to think. There's an open-plan sort of kitchen area so you can actually see what's going on there. I don't know what we would call it, but they're calling it an exhibition kitchen. Yeah, it's like a show kitchen, isn't it? Yeah. Um, do, do, do. Grand dining room on the ground floor. With Upper level wrapping around the grand staircase, um, okay. custom glass beaded chandeliers evoke ocean delicacies. I don't know of Chef Mariotto's cuisine. Now it's going to be oh, I've got a hair in my mouth. Nice. It's nothing to do with the restaurant. You want to go complain already? Um, it's got a sushi bar which has only got fourteen seats at it. Is that it? Um, okay. Strange. Um. And it's going to be serving you sort of Pan-Asian flavours and uh, I, d I don't know what, what sort of food it's here. Lobster chow fun. It, lobster chow fun, mushu pork. Right. Peking duck, sweet and sour crispy whole fish. Right. Sounds um, sounds tasty stuff. Um, at the sushi So it's bar. an Asian restaurant rather than a Chinese or Japanese. It's just yeah. kind of, okay. Um, you're gonna be able to get um, at the sushi bar. You're gonna be able to get Japanese red snapper. Yeah. Uni. No idea yeah. what that is. Okay. Sea eel. Yeah. Hamachi, fluke, and salmon. You've got no idea what you're saying, have you? I've got no idea. Right. <laughs> but because it's a Disney area, it's also 
they're going to be uh, very good to kids. And they're doing um, they got any sort of Japanese desserts? Do we know? Japanese desserts. Yeah. Or Asian desserts. Yeah. I suppose you do get Japanese desserts. Yeah, they? I know they have. Um, the Japanese have a like a. It's like an ice cream, but it's made from sticky rice. It's like um, I can't remember what the name. I'm going to search for what the name of it is. Hang on. You're not selling that to me. No, hang on. It's called. Here we go. Mochi ice cream. It's a Japanese confection made from pounded sticky rice with an ice cream filling. Cool. I don't know if they've got that there because it's not on the menu that I'm reading. I just wonder whether they had some, whether they were just going to go for your traditional Disney desserts, whether they were going to actually have Asian inspired now you desserts. Have a Mickey cookie. Yeah, that's it basically. Fudge brownie. Yeah. Um, but they've, um, yes, yeah, so, so they're going to be doing some special kids' dishes. For example, they're going to have um, chicken ramen, kakuri pork bao. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we just we just lost our Asian uh, Asian audience. Thanks very much. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, I've got no idea what any of those are, but my kids will probably love it. Yeah, that's sounds good. Um, okay, so that's opening sixteenth. Did you say? Or uh, reservations are opening from sixteenth? Um, I'm gonna have to try and find that again. Did I say thirtieth? It's opening its doors on the thirtieth of September. Yeah, but you can start to make reservations on open table on the sixteenth. Fab. Um, it is also going to have a bar which is going to be mainly stocking. I had it before. Um, Asian varieties of bottled lagers. And beers. Okay. And I was trying to remember what the name of that famous one is. And the best thing I got was Xingxiang. <laughs> sure, it's something like that. Something like that. Something along those lines, anyway. <laughs> I, I apologise for that. Yeah, I think I think we'll probably it's time to move on before you um, manage to actually. Uh, upset another part of our listening audience somewhere else in the world. Okay, so there are two bits of news for today. It is food related, and uh, it's time to move on. Let's um, should we head to Disneyland Paris? Go on then. Let's head to Disneyland Paris and talk a little bit about what is supposedly price fixing. <laughs> Right, okay. So before we start this next piece, I think we need to kind of explain a little bit about um, that this is not something that Disney have been uh, have been found guilty of. It's not something that uh, Disney are being taken to some sort of criminal court over, but it's something that uh, came up in the news and has been very, very interesting. And we've done a little bit of research into it to find out a little bit more about what's going on. Do you want to explain, Alan, a little bit about what, what they sort of discovered? Um, yeah, and I'll, what I'll say is that I don't believe it's a brand new issue. I think it's been going on for quite a while. No, I think you're right. I think it's something that's now been brought to the front, but it's something that has been going on for some time. Yeah, um, if you're based in the UK and you're trying to book your Disneyland Paris holiday via their official website, and I dare say through the travel agencies as well, because obviously it's all related, um, there is a good chance that you're going to be paying a premium price as opposed to if you're based in on the mainland Europe. Um, for example, if you're in Spain or France or Italy, there's a good chance you'll be getting a cheaper deal than if you are based in the UK. Yeah. And I don't think it's just related to being in the Eurozone, as in using their currency, because you'd, I would have liked to have seen that the price is going to fluctuate. Yes. You know, or why can't you... Can you book a... If you're booking sort of from Disneyland Paris, you're booking in Paris, surely you should be paying the current rate in Paris. 
Yeah, so um, there's kind of it's two issues here, really, that, that is the problem. The first issue is that Disney have been accused of offering deals to different countries and that the price comparisons for those different countries are not the same. So depending on which country you lived in, depending on how much you were going to pay for your holiday. The example that they used in the press releases, or, or certainly the, the articles that we've uh, read, and the newspapers said, it was the Financial Times of one of the people who came up with this, was that um, French consumers were paying around 1,346 euros for a premium package. Britain, British visitors were charged 1,870 uh, euros and Germans were charged 2,447 euros for the same package. Um, so depending on where it was that you lived depended on what it was that you got, pretty much is the way that it worked. Um, now, what I thought we'd do, Alan, is while we're while we're on air, um, is we would um, have a go at this, okay, and um, basically find out whether or not this is an issue. Now, from my personal experience, uh, one of the things I found was that um, this actually does happen, and we've talked about it a lot. And like we say, it's not a new issue. It's something that we've mentioned that you can go to certain places and get them much cheaper than other places. Um, yeah. I'm lucky that I have my parents who live in Spain. And uh, because they live in Spain, they uh, can access the Spanish Disneyland Paris website. And on the re most recent visit out to, uh, to see them, I was uh, lucky enough to be able to use their internet to book my tickets for the trip. So we did, um, and we actually did it in a cheaper way. We did a one day, one day one, sorry, get this right. One day one park ticket and then a separate one-day two-park ticket because we would do uh, Disneyland Park one day, the next day go to Disney Studios and then hop back over to Disneyland Park in the evening for that particular second day. It worked out cheaper for us to do that than it did for us to buy uh, a two-day two-park ticket um, because we were sort of budgeted in that way. Yeah. But what we also found is that because of the exchange rate, we ended up paying... Um, about £60 less for our entry tickets than we would have done if we'd have booked it from the UK side. Is that in total? In or? total, yeah. So, you know, we're not talking about a massive saving here, but no. we're talking about enough of a saving that, you know, it's it's £60. It's a meal. Yeah. Um, a sandwich at Disneyland Paris. Oh, yeah, pretty much. So, you know, this is obviously something that's been going on and something that is a bit of an issue. And... Um, what they're kind of saying is that Disney are offering these different things to different people, but the problem is that you can't access them if you you can't access the Spanish offer if you live in Britain because you're not registered, don't have a Spanish card registered to your account. Mm -hmm. So what I'm doing at the minute is um, I'm just picking a random date. So I've got the 14th of uh, September to the 15th of September for two adults and one child, staying in the Disneyland hotel. And if you go to the UK site, it currently comes up as one thousand and five pounds twenty eight pence. Okay, so that's if we were to stay there. So I'm going to put into the French website once again. Same thing. I've got the same age child. Is that uh, one thousand. One thousand and five pounds twenty-eight. Okay. Yeah, so uh, I'm now going to the the French website. I'm going to do exactly the same thing, and we're going to work out what that particular price is, and we're going to see compare whether or not they are actually more expensive or what. So uh, checking the availability on the. Um, French website as we speak, and as it comes up, it's telling me that oh, it's just come up. To, it's gone back to the British website. 
that's not what I asked for, is it? <laughs> well, that's ridiculous. Um, that doesn't seem to be working. Is it because it's worked out what your IP address is? It could work out, worked out what my IP address is, that's true. Um, I was hoping it would let me do that. But the, yeah, as we were saying, that if your card isn't registered in the country that you're trying to buy for, it won't let you do it. And Disney have come back and said this is due to uh, fraud security settings. Uh, and it stops you from being able to um, to basically do anything fraudulent in a different country. What's your opinion on this? Um, personally, I, I, I think that if you're going to Disneyland Paris... Right, okay, actually, I've got two, two issues here. First of all, if you live within a certain radius of Disneyland Paris, yeah. I'm, I'm all for the local people getting a discount. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying that um, they should be charged full rates because they're more likely to nip in and out. You know, they should get a special deal. But as for all of France, France is a big country. It is. Um, I don't think it should be a, a uniform thing. But at the same time, for the French website to give you such a discounted deal, as opposed to, the, say, that German deal, um, it's like, uh, it's nearly half price, isn't it? Well, yeah, Something pretty much. Now, this is very interesting. I've, um... Okay. So, I've managed to get in. Okay. Um... Oh my word, ladies and gentlemen. Right, I'm just I'm gonna paste into the Skype chat, Adam. That's how much it is in Euros, the British one. The British one. Yeah, but it's one thousand three hundred and sixty seven Euros. That's for what you said. The Disneyland Hotel. Ah, that's what it works out as. Right, okay. So we're looking at Euros, uh, one thousand three hundred and sixty seven fifty three. Okay. If you were to stay in the Disneyland Paris Hotel, yeah, and you would do it through um, so, what I'm now going to do is I've now got a price here. So, what do you think? Let's in euros. What do you think it might cost to stay for one night in the Disneyland hotel? Um. Next week on the fourteenth, Monday night. It's it. It shouldn't even be a premium like that. I'm I'm gonna. I'll I'll say. 1200 euros because obviously we're saying there's a discount. Okay, so you're saying 1200 euros, you reckon? Yeah. Okay. Right, I'm just loading, just want to load very quickly the uh, Spanish website so we can give it going. And some people are probably saying, why have you not done this in advance? I want to get an exact price for what it is right now, not saying it two weeks ago if you went and did this. Um, I'm, I'm kind of hoping this isn't right. Well, it is. But I'm kind of hoping it isn't because it is ridiculous. So this kind of gives us a rough idea of what's going on with regards to the resorts. Um, at this moment in time, it's going to cost €1,367.53 for somebody from uh, the UK to go and stay one night. That's two days entry to the park. Um, so it's park entry, breakfast and your hotel. Yeah. If you are staying in France, or you're French, and you're going to book it, it's going to cost you €751.31. Euros 31. Never. For exactly the same stay. That's half price. If 
you are... <laughs> gets worse. If you are coming from Spain, it's going to cost you 1,216 euros 70. So it's 100 and... So it's... 160 quid cheaper. It's slightly euros. more expensive if you're coming from Britain than it is if you're coming from Spain. But the truth is, if we look at that as an example, then yes, actually, it's more expensive if, than it is if you come from Spain or from France. That is crazy, isn't it? Well, you, you think about it like that, don't you? You think, hang on a second, how is that possible? Um, I can tell you that... Um, I've got that wrong now. Um, I was just working out how much that, that French one was in, in British. Yeah. Um, was it 750? It's 552 pounds. It's nearly half what it would cost you if you'd have bought it in the UK. It's it's not as if you're paying extra because there's more hassle for them. No. So actually, we talk about this and we look at oh, is there an issue here with Disney fixing prices? Well, according to the, the figures that we've got there and what we've just done, yes, there is. There is an issue, and I think the part of the problem here, and this is. One of the things, I, I don't know whether kind of anybody knew, um, I was contacted by BBC Five Live um, to do an interview about this, and I ended up on BBC Scotland and Birmingham and Coventry and Warwickshire and all sorts of people anyway talking about this, and the Press Association rang and I had to give them info, and they they kind of all said to me, you know, is, is Disney doing this on purpose? Is this a purposeful breach of kind of consumer law and all this sort of stuff by Disney? And my answer to them was was honestly no. I don't think it is. You know, Disney are so hot on the laws and regulations and things like that that they're not going to do something that is going to purposely put them into jeopardy. I think the problem we've got here is that Disney have just been very clever and astute with their kind of pricing and their marketing that they know that this time of year these these schools are they're back at school so we can give them a deal because people will come here or at this point these are here and this happens. So I think what's happened is Disney have just kind of aimed their market at whoever it is who's coming but I think the problem is they've come unstuck because those offers aren't available to everybody and by putting in this what they've said is a fraud pr uh, preventative measure by not being able to buy your things from different websites around Europe then they've then that's the point where this kind of unfair consumer law thing about price fixing has come in um, is it fair no of course it's not fair the fact that I could go if I had a French bank account I could stay in the Disneyland hotel for half the price it would cost me if I bought it in the UK it's wholly unfair without a shadow of a doubt technically right if you had a, a good friend in France yeah they could book it for you yeah and you could just well, it's interesting you say that because what's happened before now is a friend in America wanted to go to Disneyland Paris. They contacted me and said, "Have you heard how much Disneyland Paris tickets are if I buy them from Florida, from America? Will you buy them in England? And because it's an e-ticket, send me the e-ticket, and then I can print that off and use it." And that's exactly what we did because actually, there's nothing they can't stop you from doing that. Right, okay. Hence and the reason it, why we were able it, to do it in Spain. Was it cheaper for you to do it than the Americans? Yes. Yeah, it was at the time. I don't quite know what it is now, but at the time, yeah, it was much, much cheaper. Wow. Um, yeah, I know, and that's I think that's part of the problem here. It's not a case of it being a different price, because if you can shop around, and people are prepared to shop around and find the cheaper deals, it's, it's not so much of an issue. But it's when Disney are offering the deals, and then you're not able to shop around for them, where I think they're going to come unstuck. Um, 
you know, we all know that Disneyland Paris is ridiculously expensive. We also know that you can go to Disneyland Paris, stay in nice hotels that aren't Disney hotels, and get it much, much cheaper, which is exactly what we did last time. And and as much as I love staying in Disney hotels, and as much as I want to stay in Disney hotel, I'd love to, I really want to stay in a Disney hotel on my next trip, if I'm honest, um, because I've not done it for so long. But on top of that, you know, I know you can find them much, much cheaper. The Hotel Elise that I stayed in last time was a lovely hotel. It was perfectly situated, and it was a third maybe even a quarter of the price of what a Disney hotel would have been and actually in some ways was more convenient because you could have got on the metro or got on the bus and been at the resort quicker than you might have been if you'd have stayed in a Disney hotel. So I think the problem is that Disney need to get people into the hotels. The, their hotel occupancy rate isn't quite as high as they'd like it to be and so they offer these deals in order to do that. Now I think the argument here is rather than offering the deals just the whole blanket rate that brings everything down a little bit yeah would make a massive difference so so do you think that the prices we're getting quoted are more expensive because they always throw out a 40 percent discount deal possibly um, yeah it's or, possible or and then not everybody three. can take those yeah it's, it is possible they do it that way and then we get the, the hotel prices are slightly more expensive but some people might do it because they go, oh, but we've got this much money off. Look, we've got 40% off this, or we've got a free kid place here, or something like that. Or, oh, the kids get free into the theme parks because we're staying in a hotel. Therefore, yeah. you know, that's just saved us X amount of money. But the truth is, you know, there's no arguing of the fact that Disneyland Paris is an expensive place to go. Yeah. I've, I've got to admit that the past few years, I've looked at going, and when I start to add up the pricing on it, because personally, I, I would want to stay at a Disney hotel. Yeah. Um, well, I would, yeah. The, the convenience of just being able to walk wherever you want to go. That's what it's all about for me. Um, but it's the cost every time that makes us go, oh, well, for an extra bit more money, I might as well just go to Florida. Yeah, and there is that argument as well, isn't it? You know, that I can go and do two weeks in Florida. Most people, I can do maybe three days in Disneyland Paris, staying in a cheaper hotel with your tickets and your accommodation, your, your, your travel, if I do it right. For about five, six hundred pounds, mm-hmm. and that's for three days. Now, if we times that by however many days it needs to be to make it into a Florida trip, then actually, if you work it out, it probably doesn't work out much cheaper, and you just get a slightly shorter holiday, or a slightly shorter, yeah. a lot shorter holiday. Yeah. Um, but that is, you know, I'm not saying that people shouldn't go to Disneyland Paris. I think just people need to be savvy about kind of what it is they look for and where they look to stay, and and they look for the deals. Um, again, we go back to this whole price fixing thing. Has Disney? been price fixing i think we can say yes disney have been fixing prices for certain countries have they been doing it purposely illegally no i don't think they have i don't know whether you agree um i don't know it's hard to say because with with the i don't know i, I just think it should be one playing field it should be one price yeah you know when i log on to hotels.com or whatever it is and i go to book a hotel in blackpool yeah I could actually log on to that hotel's website and get it for the same price. There's no difference there. No. So why should there be a difference depending on where we're coming in from? Supply and demand, isn't it? That's the problem. I think my other issue as well is, is ticket prices, um, which when we talk about fixing and things like that, it's obviously more expensive to buy a ticket to Disneyland Paris if you get it on the gate, just as it is with any other theme park. But if you were to buy them in Spain, France, Germany, Italy, Holland you will get them at the euro price that is on the website and that's absolutely fine um but in britain we get a pound price and that pound price stays exactly the same no matter what the euro is doing whether it's up or down 
So luckily when I was in Spain, the Euro was really strong. Therefore, I got my tickets £60 cheaper than I would have gotten if I bought them off the UK website. And this is the one thing that I think does concern me. And that is that we aren't able to buy tickets in Euros if we wanted to. And, we, and there is no kind of no concerted effort by Disney in order to try and make tickets slightly cheaper for British people. You know, I know they can't say this is the ticket price for today, get them now while they're at this price, but it's kind of given us that option to be able to buy them in euros if we choose to. Um, the crew in a Disney hotel, you can go and stay and have to pay the price Disney are charging you for your hotel, but you do have to pay the price of a ticket that is on the UK website because other than getting them at the park, that's the only way you can get them. Right. I think that's um, unfair. I've, read, I've kind of quick read through the Financial Times article. Yeah. And Disney has defended their pricing policy. Okay. And one of the things that they have said is that um, throughout the year we try to attract guests from different markets by offering special market specific book buy promotions mm. that include discounts. These promotions take into consideration factors specific to that um, country's market, um, such as school holidays and booking patterns. It is also said, right, it was added by. Um, it, it added that consumers can contact the central reservation office if they see a promotion outside their local market and request to make that specific booking. So that's suggesting that, for example, we found 750 quid. Yeah, as 750 to, euros, yeah. yeah. So we could ring up and say, I found it this much on the French site. Can I have that, please? Yeah. I wonder how easy that is. <laughs> that's the question. Yeah. You could do it, but is it that easy? A company employee has said that. Yeah. But I think someone's got to... You've got to be brave enough to do it. One, you... When I, when I was a Disneyland Paris shareholder, I rang up and book, made a booking. Yeah. You know, I, I, I did that. It wasn't necessarily the easiest thing to do um, at the time. Um, but I did it. Yeah. I prefer to book online because you don't have to talk to anyone. <laughs> that is true. It's a fair point. But... 700 euros is quite a expensive convenience. Yeah, it is. It's going to be um, cheaper to ring someone up. So I'll, I'll pay someone 200 euros to ring up for me. <laughs> yeah, there, there, there's a convenience. Yeah, that'd be good. But um, you know, it, it doesn't put me off going to Disneyland Paris. I've I've always been one of those people who've been a DIY booker anyway, and I've always gone and booked my flight separately to my hotel and done this and, and done all my research. So it doesn't put me off, and I think you know there will possibly be. I I, I think it will come out of this that Disney won't come out of it in bad light in the sense that yes they've done something illegal how horrendous are they I can't believe they've done it but I think it's only going to be a positive thing the fact that the European Commission are looking at this and saying hey do you know what. I don't think you've done anything illegal, but I think you need to make it fairer. I think yeah. it's probably the way it's going to go and the way it'll end up. Well, at least that's my hope anyway, that that's what's going to happen. And that will only be a good thing for us because hopefully it will then bring prices down for hotels and things like that. Because if you think about it, the hotel is the most expensive part of travelling to Disneyland Paris. You can get dirt cheap flights. Eurostar, you can get cheap if you book out early enough. It's, yeah. the, it's the, the hotel that always stops, makes people go, oh, do you know what, we can't afford that. And um, ideally, the pricing should come down before we book our um, Run Disney. Run Disney, that'd be, so that'd be helpful if they could do that. That'd be great. If only. So there you go. I always think, what would Walt sort of say to it? You know, Walt Disney wanted Disneyland and Disney World to be a place 
that he could bring his family and he always said he wanted it to be a place that families could come to and you know it does worry me that you know him and 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 Lily Lillian isn't it and his kids and your stuff used to go and and it's a shame that there's now some families that are being priced out of it because it has become such a big expensive commercial entity but there you go that's just it was, it was supposed to be um open to everybody but yeah I think in terms of um Florida I've heard that it's it's something like only the top six percent of earners can go now is that what it is it's something ridiculously small like that because it's it's getting that expensive yeah but you can't you can't really necessarily say what what would Walt think because times have changed and it's it's a monster that's feeding itself oh yeah exactly it is it's it's you know it's it's popular so we can't really complain okay right there we go so we'll keep you informed on that if we hear any more information with regards to it we'll get back to you and no doubt i'll be contacted by people anyway to talk about it so i'll have to keep a very close eye on what's going on there um right let's move on okay dismal land let's talk dismal land uh i know you really wanted to go didn't you alan i really wanted to go um, i was unfortunate to be too far away from it yeah so it's in western supermare so let's kind of explain to people who don't know what dismal land is but i think most people seem to know uh banksy world-renowned artist um decided he was opening his new exhibition it was kind of suddenly announced and told in a couple of days you can be able to buy tickets and um it's in western supermare it is um i it's, it's kind of an art exhibition, I suppose, which is designed to look like um, a kind of an old-fashioned fairground theme park style idea. He's built it in what used to be called the Tropicana, which is an outdoor kind of water park-ish kind of place, or it was anyway. Um, it's a place that Banksy used to go to as a child, and that's why he decided that he wanted to do this sort of place in here. He's called it Dismaland, and Dismaland sign looks exactly like the Disneyland sign. So of course, with it having some sort of Disney connotation to it, I wanted to go, wanted to find out a little bit more about it and find out whether or not this really is a, a Mickey take get it of um of Disney or whether he's used that as a as a, as a vehicle for having to go at everything else. And uh, I know a lot of people have um commented on Twitter and Facebook and all that sort of stuff about the fact that I went and how can Disney allow Banksy to get away with besmirching the Disney company's name and all this sort of stuff and that was one of the things I was really intrigued about doing and seeing when I went you know is this actually a dig at Disney or is this using Disney in order to have a dig at lots of other things um, and I'm pleased to say that although there are digs at Disney in it that actually the majority of the stuff isn't a dig at Disney at all. Um, so I, I want to explain a little bit about it, a little bit where I went, you know, um, and what it's like. And uh, you can make up your own mind as to what you think of it and whether it's it's something that you thought, you know, Disney should be closing down. One of the things is to say is that banned from going in, I think it said it was marker pens, knives, graffiti um, spray cans, and uh, legal representatives of the Walt Disney Company. I'm sure that's what it said, that they were the things that weren't allowed in. Um, here we go. No, it's, yeah. Strictly prohibited are knives, spray cans, illegal drugs, and lawyers from the Walt Disney Corporation. It does actually say that on the park map. I had, the, whole, the whole setup was just amazing, I think. Look at, you, you obviously took a lot of photographs. Mm. Um, and I, 
I'm a, a Banksy fan. Yeah. I think he's one of the, the few artists that sort of gives you a chance to have a little bit of a chuckle rather than just looking at something going, hmm. Mm, what does this mean? Yeah. Um, I'm not look, looking for an inner story or anything like that. Well, it's just some, there's some stuff there. You look at it and go, that's amusing. And then you can possibly then go, oh, well, that's what he's trying to do. Yeah, and I think a lot of it is a little bit like that. And, and the idea, and actually, in a way, I think Disney shouldn't shut it down. And the reason I don't think Disney should shut it down is actually they should be quite pleased that Banksy sees Disney as a threat. Because the idea is that he's created this theme park and most theme parks you go to and they're supposed to be full of fantasy and happiness and magic and all this sort of stuff. And it's all sugar-coated and glittery and all that sort of stuff. And it's escapism from the real world. And you go to these parks and you have a lovely day and you forget about the worries of the rest of your life and everything else that's going on in the world. And what Banksy's done is taken uh, this lovely sugar-coated fantasy world that is a theme park and put in it all these things that are real and remind you of what real life is like and um, and makes you think about it and, and makes everything dismal, you know, rather than it being all happy and jolly and nice. So one of the first things that happens when you go in, you get to the front and you go through security. Now security is, you go through real security, then you go through fake security. And it's hysterical going through fake security because they're all miserable and they all shout at you and they all tell you to go and do this and do that. And they tell you to go, and there's one point, I think my security guard went, look at the CCTV camera. And I looked at it and she went, you've looked long enough now, off you go. Um, there was, it wasn't working or anything, there's lots of objects that are around and about. And then you get in and one of the first nods to Disney, other than obviously the dismal land sign that looks like the Disneyland sign, is you get um, staff members who all have uh, headbands on that look very much like Mickey Mouse headbands, uh, Mickey Mouse ears. And they have a jacket on that says dismal on the back of it. And they are all miserable. All of them are miserable. None of them smile. They don't want to be there. They hate working there. And this is the whole kind of idea. Uh, and they shout at you. And I tried to get a park map off one of them. And he kept throwing it around. And he wouldn't let me get hold of it. And then I witnessed later on another staff member go up to somebody. And, and held out their hand for their park map. And they took it off it. And he just threw it across the floor. And then walked off. Um, so again, it kind of plays against this whole idea about everybody supposed to be caring and nice and kind, and you've got all these really miserable staff members around, and they, they're just—it really adds to it just how miserable they actually are, and just how horrible and rude they are to people, um, which is brilliant. Uh, and obviously, they're all in these mouse ears and all that sort of stuff as you go around. But one of the first parts you go into is something called the gallery, and the gallery is really the most conventional art gallery kind of space that you go into. And this is one of the first times that I came across anything that was sort of Disney related. Um, you go into the first room and there's a piece of animation on an easel uh, which is kind of um, it's projected onto this easel. And there's several very familiar looking character shapes in there where you've got Pluto I think in a piece of artwork. You can kind of make out Mickey Mouse at one point. I think there's kind of a Clarabelle cow-esque character in there as well. Um, and then the next piece of art which was my absolute favourite which is called uh, A Dance with Death. And it was a point where the Grim Reaper came out in a Dodgem car, uh, all miserable and sad and forlorn. And then the music turns into night, uh, into uh, Staying Alive by the Bee Gees. And he's dancing around in his Dodgem car while singing along and dancing about. Um, which obviously is this idea of the dance with death as everybody does and you know all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, and then you go through and there's lots and lots of really great pieces of artwork in there. Um, there's a beach ball that's floating over the top of a load of knives. There's some artwork which is to do with kind of this dystopian world which has um, 
several signs which have part Disney characters on them. And there's one that's got part a part sign and what looks like part of California screaming in the background. And it's all dismantled and ruined and, and, and falling apart. Um, and, you know, the, the artwork itself, I think, is very, very clever um, and looks really, really good and is very well done. I took a load of photos of that. Um, again, it's... I think it's a dig, not at Disney as such. I think it's a dig at this idea of a fantasy world that's fallen apart and about how we believe in this fantasy world and, you know, and it's not necessarily what it is and all that sort of stuff, really. Yeah. Um, but it's a really interesting take on all those things. The, the one really specific, very Disney item that's in there, and it's a very, very clever um, piece of art, is there's a snake, a giant snake, and uh, this snake has swallowed Mickey Mouse. And Mickey Mouse is inside the snake. And you can see the shape of Mickey Mouse. But it obviously looks like the snake's skin. Yeah. Um, and that's a really clever piece of artwork that's in there. That obviously is very specifically Disney. Along with those sort of the paintings that I mentioned earlier. And there's some other bits and pieces in there that have some very Disney-esque kind of paintings. And, and pictures and things like that all the way through it. Um, at the back of that is a, um, a model village, they call it. And this model village is actually supposed to be based on Bedfordshire. And uh, there's been, again, you know, it's that, the whole idea of we see nice little model village full of magic and lovely wonderfulness. This model village has, has been taken over by the police because there's been riots. And all pretty much all there is in there are characters that are police people and paparazzi and police cars with flashing lights. And they've just stopped riots within this model village which is brilliant it's massive but it's and it, there's one lovely little moment where um you can see a load of policemen have clearly had enough and they're all sat in burger king i've got a burger king with all these police and everything in it which is really cool gotta admit the first time i saw the photographs of this yeah i was like is this like a video and i, I didn't it didn't dawn on me that it was a modeled village at yeah. first yeah until i saw some village. giants looking at it um so that's kind of the main art gallery space. That's the first part. Um, I'm going to skip by the next bit and I'm going to go over to the other side. Um, you've got Water Cannon Creek, which is the big lake in the middle. And uh, this Water Cannon Creek is, as, as it says in the park map, an armoured plate, armored plated riot control vehicle built to serve on the streets of Northern Ireland, equipped with sniper posts, grenade launchers, and now a children's slide. Uh... Which is also, the, the creek has also got this statue of the Little Mermaid in it. Uh, yeah. I don't know if anyone's seen this statue, but it, it's created so it's almost like the reflection of the Little Mermaid is the statue. It's an amazing piece of art. I, Absolutely I, I amazing was, piece of art. When I saw your photograph of that, I was analysing it, I thought, I wonder if the artist has seen a picture of the Little Mermaid as a ripple, photographed it and tried to recreate it. It's, it looks like that's the kind of thing that they went for, but it's, it, it's an amazing piece of art. It looks so good. And when you look at it from the side as well, you go, oh, that's how they've done it. And you have to really concentrate quite a lot to work out how on earth they've created it. But it's a fantastic piece of art. Um, a bit further around, you've got Mini Golf, uh, which was an oil caliphate-themed crazy golf course made from the hockey pitch at Cheltenham Ladies College. And um, it does, it, you can actually play it. It was, I think it was £2 to play. And um, not only can you play it and, and go and enjoy it, it's it's almost impossible to complete as well. And they've designed it so it's really hard and you can't complete it, um, <laughs> which is brilliant. Uh, they've got a giant pinwheel in there. I'm trying to think what else. So we've got the children's enclosure, the puppet show. Um, 
there's the Punch and Judy, which I'm not going to go into the contents of the Punch and Judy because there's children listening. There's the Jeffrey Archer Memorial Fire Pit, where you could basically go and warm yourself around a pit that you could burn Jeffrey Archer books in. Okay. Um, there's a picnic area because there was food and there was bars and things like that as well. There was a cinema. Um, there was part of the kids' enclosure. Now, this again, I think it's just because again, it's it's supposed to be this play on how we as a society kind of see the way we sort of deal with things. And in the children's enclosure, there is a play area, but there was also a building called Pocket Money Loans. It's obviously supposed to be a, a, a Mickey take on all of the the kind of high percentage loan companies and it says payday loans for kids get an advance on your pocket money today and it's pocket money pocket money loans.com and uh, only 5000% APR 853% cheaper than Wonga <laughs> is what it says on the, the the posters and you can go in and you can there's lots of like cheap kids toys and stuff in there um and obviously it's obviously supposed to be this idea that Mickey take of this how society sees borrowing money as the way to get out of things. It's um, an official website. Yes, it is an official website. Yeah, if you go onto it, yeah, it has a website. How much do you want? You, uh, can, you can borrow up to twenty pounds. Okay, I'll have twenty pounds, please. Over thirty days. Let's go. Let's see how much it is. Our server error. Too many kids are playing for loans right oh, now. Oh rubbish! You can't do that then. Um, the one thing I have missed about Dismaland and the main part of it is um, Cinderella's castle. And they have actually called it Cinderella's Castle, which is smack bang in the middle, right by uh, right by the top of Watercolling Creek. No, this Cinderella Castle. No, it's Cinderella's apostrophe S. Yeah. Um, and I I think this is genius. This is by far one of the the best thing in the whole park. And the reason I think it's so clever is because it is such a clever play on the fantasy and the real life. And um, you go into you, you go to Cinderella's castle and you queue up to go inside. And when you get in, uh, as you first walk in, there's a television, old television up above, and it's playing the very, very end of the Cinderella movie. So you can see the Cinderella happily ever after as she goes off with the prince in the carriage and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Plays it on a loop. You turn the corner and you get to a green screen. It's like this is weird. Why is there a green screen? And people that are just told to stand in front of the green screen don't smile. And they take your photo, and then make, and then they send you on, and you go into the next part of the castle, and that's where the main piece of artwork is. Before we kind of talk about that bit, the castle itself is so cleverly done. Um, you know, it looks like it is falling apart. It looks like it's falling down. But equally, you look at the details on the castle itself. You can clearly see they've used a lot of the details from the Disney World castle with the colour of the tiles and all those bits and pieces on the outside. It, it's it's obviously very clear that this is a direct kind of. Um, it looks as though it's been set on fire. Yeah, it does. That's exactly what it looks like. And, and occasionally, actually, at the bottom of it, every now and again, the smoke that comes out right. um, of the bottom, like it, it has been set on fire. Um, but even the, the dismal land, the D, that, that is um, the emblem above the door, looks like it's from Disneyland. Um, so you go inside anyway, you go through the green screen, and then when you get to the other side, you see... Uh, it takes a while for your eyes to adjust. There's just a lot of flashing lights. In the corner of the room, there are four mopeds that are, are sat there. And then in the middle of it, and once your eyes adjust, you can see where the flashing lights are. There is Cinderella's castle, Cinderella's carriage, upturned. Uh, Cinderella is hanging out of it. Two of the birds from the film are holding up her dress like they're trying to hold her up again. And the horse has fallen on the floor. And, and the idea is that Cinderella's been involved in an accident, tragically died. And all of these flashing lights are from the paparazzi. 
who have all gathered around the carriage just to take photos, not to help, just to take photos of this tragic accident that's happened. And basically the idea of it is, and this is, this is why I think it's really clever, and this is one kind of dig at Disney, is this idea that Disney always have happy endings for their princesses. Yep. You know, at the end of every film, the princess gets the, the man and they get married and all this sort of stuff. But the truth is, not every princess has an happy, happy ending. And it's supposed to be a play on what happened with Princess Diana. The fact that when the accident happened, rather than anyone helping, the paparazzi just stood and took photos. Um, so I just think it's very, very clever. And a very poignant kind of very thought-provoking piece of art because you stand there and you go oh my word that's really quite clever and quite well done and to fit in with the consumerism of it all and about how we consume things and don't necessarily think about it you come out the other side of that piece of artwork and there's actually a photo location and what they've done is when you were stood in the green screen they've actually superimposed you in the background of the paparazzi so you're it you're kind of stood there watching the accident that's just happened and you can actually buy the photograph for a fiver. Excellent. Did, did you buy it? No, I didn't buy it, no. <laughs> um, you can actually see it. But people were buying the photos. It was really weird. So you could buy your photo just as you do at any theme park. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that was that was something that was available. And I just think that it was such a clever idea and such a clever concept. But, you know, why do I think Disney maybe don't need to worry too much? The reason is this. You know, Banksy designed this place because the idea is it's supposed to be a... A commentary on our society on the fact that we uh, we consume all of these things and we enjoy all of these things and we don't necessarily think about the consequences we don't necessarily think about the other things that are going on in the world um, and this very much takes the idea and makes us very conscious of what is going on in the world by putting it into this theme park setting and the reason I don't think Disney need to worry is because clearly um, Banksy recognizes Disney as a company that is part of this consumerism and this sugar-coated world but equally feels threatened enough that he needs to use Disney as the example um, and it's not the only thing he uses obviously he uses a lot of other things from a lot of other theme parks and, and, and those kind of traditional fairground ideas but it's kind of like an acknowledgement by him and the artists that Disney is an important part of our society that it needs to be emphasised in the way that he did with his artwork if that makes sense Sort of. I I know that um, it's obviously not the first time that Banksy's gone for Disney. No, no, not at all. Um, he hung a Guantanamo Bay figure in them. Um, was it Thunder Thunder Mountain? Thunder Mountain, I think it was. Yeah. Disneyland California. But I don't know. A lot of people that I know that are not into the Disney thing, you know, like in our niche topic here. Yeah. Um, they just don't get it. And I sometimes think that maybe Banksy just hasn't got it. Because some of the bit about going to Disney World is about the escapism. Yeah. And I think but I think that's part of the reason that he's done it. There's this idea of why should we allow, be allowed to go and escape from all these things that are happening in the world when there's all these tragedies that are happening. So I'll give you another example. Um, and, and some people see this, It's a, whether you see this as bad taste or not, I think the idea is he's using it as a, a way to highlight it. Um, you know... I think by the Jungle Cruise, you've got the little boats that you can pay a dollar for or whatever, and you yep. can you've got your little steering wheel and you can control the boats. Yep. They've got that at at Dismaland, but the boats are all full of illegal immigrants. Yeah. Um, 
and you can operate these. And there were people genuinely doing it, uh, operating these boats full of illegal immigrants. And it was this idea of, you know, this is a massive problem at the moment. This is something that we, as a world, as a nation, are talking about. And, and Banksy's kind of highlighted that and gone, hey, look, this is a problem, but we're going to use it for a fun idea. Um, so I think, you know, I think he's fully aware that this is what Disney do. They make it escapism. And, and, and I think part of his reason for doing this is to say, why should you be allowed to escape from all of these problems that are going on in the world uh, when all these people have still got to face this, that, and the other? Yeah, I, th I suppose it, it, it does, does show you that other side on it. Yeah. Um, I know that one of the photographs that you um, put on um, showed the the souvenir balloons you can buy that's right now I, I, this is the last bit there is a gift shop on the way out and this time the gift shop is genuine you can actually buy all sorts of different things i've bought i've now got myself a nice dismal land t-shirt um but you can also buy inflatable balloons and there were genuinely people walking around the park with these balloons on them is written i am an imbecile um and they're helium balloons and there were people genuinely buying i am an imbecile balloons yeah. And walking around with them. Which, again, I think is a genius. I think it's just really clever. Um, that that he's kind of taken, again, something that's so iconic. And, and this is, a, you know, a Disney thing. A, a, a Disney helium balloon is an iconic souvenir that a lot of people um, buy and are seen every day in Disney theme parks. And he's taken it and he's given it a completely different meaning. Yeah. Did, did um, you find out how much they were? I didn't actually. It's a really good question. Because um, obviously the, the way that I've looked at that is, when you go on holiday, well, when you go to Disney World, you sort of you've got real money, and then you've got Disney money. Yeah. Where everything costs you a lot more, and, and you yeah. go around down Main Street and you pay, I don't know what the current price is, but hypothetically it's twelve dollars for a balloon. Yeah. You know, you are ridiculous buying a helium balloon for that. Well, yeah, yeah, and and I, they weren't particularly cheap. The, the shop wasn't particularly cheap. I bought a, I've got it in front of me here. It's a big souvenir brochure, which has got loads of info about all the artists and things like that. Uh, it's probably about 50, 40, 50 pages. But it's like, it's it's printed very much in the way that you would get like a supplement in a Sunday newspaper, that sort of idea. Um, yeah. That was a fiver. And then my T-shirt, which, let's be honest, is just a cheap printed T-shirt, cost me 20 quid. But... But I suppose that's your memory, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And you can only get it without those T-shirts if you've been into uh, Dismaland. You can't get them anywhere else. And uh, there's, what, 4,000 tickets per day for five weeks plus standby tickets. So, you know, we're not talking about a huge number of people. But again, it's part of it is this idea of this consumerism of we need to do this. And one of the things that happened is, you know, when Banksy put this on sale everyone was like i must go i must clamor for it and i must get tickets and the tickets went on sale or were supposed to go on sale they never did everyone was like is this all part of banks's ploy to fool us into this idea that we must have this because we are a consumer and this must happen and people weren't sure and then they didn't go on sale and they said they're going on sale on tuesday and tuesday came round, and they didn't go on sale again and then suddenly they got on sale late um so i don't know whether that was all part of it or not but um it's, it sounds as though it should have been. I think it probably was. Because everything, say Disney does their dining plan or whatever it is, and everything's slick and smooth, and the customer service to trip over to help you. Yeah, so, you know, it was, I think it was all designed to be very different. And it was only £3 to get in. Again, the total opposite to Disney. Yeah, and I think that's a, a reason for it. Again, I think it was done on purpose. So, um, let me 
let me kind of read what it says on the back of the uh, the park map. It says here, are you looking for an alternative to the soulless, sugar-coated banal uh, banality of an average family day out, or just somewhere a lot cheaper? Then this is the place for you. A vibrant new world that provides an escape from mindless escapism. Instead of a burger stall, we have a museum. In place of a gift shop, we have a library. Well, we have a gift shop as well. Bring the whole family to come and enjoy the latest addition to our chronic leisure surplus, a bemusement part park a theme park whose big theme is theme parks should have bigger themes and that's pretty much what it says so this idea that you know as we said um that you know it's this it says we shouldn't have this opportunity for escapism when there's so many things going on in the world so yeah he uses disney and he does reference disney and disney you know that the logos that you get on the t-shirt looks like the disney logos and all that sort of stuff and it does use Disney as a, as a as a reference point, but there's far more in it than Disney. But if you are thinking of going, you want to go to something that's very different to what you would expect. You want to go to something that is um, a little bit of a an unusual day out, and you want something that's a little bit thought provoking, but at the same time maybe a little bit controversial. It's a place to go to. I would advise not taking your kids. I didn't take Harry. Um, I would advise you not taking your child. Um, not because there's anything in there that I think you're particularly they'd understand and go oh what it's there'd be so many questions why is the Cinderella carriage upside down why is this happening here why is that it's it would be a lot of questions you would need to answer rather than it being somewhere that I would say would be wholeheartedly inappropriate because of language and things like that there are there is language in there but a lot of the bad language is written rather than spoken um so I think it's something, you know, if you're interested in this sort of stuff, you're interested in Disney, there's some great quirky things in there. It's well worth going if you get the chance to. I know it's only on for about another three weeks or so. I think it's, um, according to their um, website, the 15th is when they seem to be starting to sell tickets. Okay, 15th of September. Yep, so that's about another week. And that, yeah, because they, they do it, um, you can buy them up to 10 days in advance. All oh, right, maybe so. This, so yeah, the 25th might be the last one. You can only buy tickets up to ten days in advance. All right, it's it's, it's not that easy to see. No, um, the website's not easy to to navigate or use. Um, it does. I did see somewhere on the website that the twenty fifth of September there's um a music event. Going there's on. there's several. There's there's music events and comedy events that go on, all the way through it. Uh, there's a comedy night on the eleventh of September, and then most I think Friday nights they have some sort of uh musical lineup. I, I know that from seeing Twitter and Facebook, and obviously a lot of the people I'm friends with on Facebook and a lot of people I'm follow on Twitter yeah. are Disney-related yeah. in some form or another. And a lot of people are, have looked at this as totally negative. Why would you want to go and see this? But I'm actually quite open-minded. I think, you know, I think this is a bit of fun. It is. It's a bit of fun, but it does have that serious message as well. And yes, it does take a little bit of Mickey out of Disney, and, and that's you know, part of one of the reasons why I quite enjoyed it because actually I'm not, um, you know, I am a big Disney fan, but equally I'm not the sort of Disney fan that doesn't see or appreciate that other people, what other people are doing and, and use it. And, and and there's a lot of people who've gone, how dare them do that? How dare they use Disney in such a way? Yeah. And I'm kind of like, do you know what? Good on you. The yeah. fact that you've tried to do it and you've given it a go and you're using it in a way for to try and get a good decent message across yeah you know well done you and i don't 
I don't have an issue because it's although it uses this it like it says in the back of there and as, as I keep saying it does use Disney as uh, this idea of it being escapism but it's not it's a it's a dig at escapism rather than a dig at Disney itself it's just Disney is the vehicle in which to do it I think by associating with Disney it has had a more of a marketing plan in it there um I was watching a film the other day um which is on Netflix called how to sell a Banksy right um, where this guy steals a Banksy off a bridge. Well, apparently it was going to get torn down. Right. It was uh, like a big giant poster, and he, he took it about 10 years ago. And okay. He, anyway, um, they were saying that all the public street art, this is what the official vent, um, art, what they call them, gallery owners were saying, all that street art was like a bit of a, a marketing campaign for all the gallery stuff that he sells now. Yeah. Um, and apparently all the street art isn't... Um, authenticated now no and what's interesting is there's a lot of street art that's kind of gone up around western supermare that isn't authentic but obviously uses mickey and the characters and things like that yeah which is interesting anyway there we go that's our uh our bit on dismalland say dismalland.co.uk is the website i know it's currently sold out until the 15th of september completely sold out but you can turn up um and queue and they'll let you in they just kind of do a one in one out system if, if you had a ticket, um, was there much of a queue to get in? Yes. Um, I had an 11 o'clock ticket. Admittedly, I didn't arrive until about 11.30ish. And I ended up queuing about half an hour to get in. That's not too so it's, bad. And that was just because you had to go through security to get to the other side. And fake security. So And then fake security, which was the first piece of first exhibit. But um, no, it wasn't. It's not horrendous. And once you're in, there's plenty of space and it's not too crowded. And you can see pretty much most things. I'd spent about two and a half, three hours there. In total, that's um, not too bad. For and, three you know, yeah, £3.8. And then, if you want to, you can hang about and they have other bits of entertainment. They're going, oh, there was, there were, that's what I forgot to say. There were characters you could meet, but these characters are clearly look like they've been made from a scrap box of felt somewhere. And obviously, they were supposed to be, be like that. Um, and then there was a bar in there and there was a food location. You could get pizzas and stuff like that as well. Um, so, you know, you could spend a good few hours there and enjoy yourself. Did, did you play the sideshow games? Oh, the sideshow games were brilliant. Yeah, topple the anvil, uh, which I didn't have a go at. Funnily enough, there was then uh, hook the duck in the muck, um, of which if you were able to hook a duck, then you won uh, a fish finger in a bag. Cool. Obviously, you couldn't complete it. You weren't supposed to be able to. Um, so no, I didn't have a go at either of those two. But I did watch somebody having a go at hook a, hook a duck in a muck, and obviously the muck was an was an oil slick. Um. So no, I didn't have a go at that, but um, I did watch. It also looks like, and I don't know if this was the, another sideshow, it looks like there's a shooting gallery. That somebody's gone ballistic on. Yeah. Yeah, and it's absolutely covered and destroyed and ruined. Yeah, there is one of those as well. Brilliant. So um, so yeah, it was. it's well worth going to anyway. Um, or I'm going to say, you know, this. there's a caravan thing. Yes, the Weird simulator. What was it? Right, the idea is it's supposed to be, um, you know those kind of haunted swings where you sit still and the room spins around you? Yes. Right, you could like pay two pounds. Yeah, you could pay two pounds, sit in the yeah. caravan, and they make the caravan spin around you. <laughs> so why you sit still to give you that haunted swing effect. <laughs> Did you have a go? No. Oh. No, I didn't. <laughs> but yeah, that was there. And it's actually, the two artists made it and had to yep. go through the whole process of um, how do you register it as a ride, how do you go through the health and safety and all that sort of stuff in order to, to get it in the in the uh, Dismal Land. Brilliant. 
Um, right. Do you want to very quickly talk... Um, run. Uh, yeah, we best do. Right, okay, let's talk run. Right, what do you want to talk about? Um, run. Let's talk about run. Blackpool. Blackpool yes. is the next big Disney Brit running event thing that's going on. Um, we have... Obviously, we've announced the date, which is the 10th, 11th of October. I'm just double checking that, that is correct. 10th of October, yeah. Um, I will be, I personally will be there around about lunchtime in, in Blackpool. Is um, that on the Friday, on the Saturday? On the Saturday. Yeah. Um, that's obviously giving me enough time to drive down there. Other people, turn up when you want to. We're not saying that 12 o'clock is the thing that we're going to be there and you've got to be next to us at that time turn up when you want to. However, we're going to be doing a five kilometre run at four o'clock. Four o'clock, there you go. Um, I've had a look at the um, projected sundown time and apparently on that date it should be six o'clock. So I would like to think that a 5k run... If it's going to take two hours, we've got a problem. <laughs> As Chris has said, because uh, Chris, Chris Speed's coming, um, he's, he's booked in with us, um, he says... Oh, yeah, I'll meet you at 12 o'clock, but I can start drinking then. Oh, man. So, you know, if, if you start to befriend Chris and start drinking with him at 2 o'clock or 12 o'clock, it may take you two hours. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. good luck with that. Um, we've also had a look at um, the course um, on what we're going to be doing. And it looks as though Claire, Claire Tomlinson sort of planned and walked out the route. Yeah, um, she's given me some photographs so I can try and plot together a, um, a map and sort of point over in the direct direction. Right. It's going to start at the Parisian Hotel, and it is going to be we go north um, for two and a half kilometres. Yeah, and then at a certain points, turn back down a I think there's a, a upper prom and a lower prom. Come back on the lower prom, two and a half kilometres back to the beginning, and we will be giving a, a what's the term a comp. A medal for everyone that complete all finishes. Yeah, that's it. A finishes medal. Finishes medal. So everyone that does the run will be getting a finishes medal. Obviously, it's important that um, you and let us know that you are coming and you will be wanting one. Otherwise, um, I'm I'm not going to turn up with four thousand medals and hand out six. We well, you, you could give it a go. I could do. I w I wouldn't suggest it, but you know. But um, no, there's, there's, there's quite a few people coming. It's actually looks like it's going to be quite a good. Event. Yeah, we've got a good number coming, which is good. Um, so considering that we are Disney being a niche market, and the run inside of Disney being even a niche, more niche, yeah, niche of a niche. Yeah. So uh, I, th I think this is going to be quite exciting. It's going to be a good, fun weekend. Um, we haven't said anything else about what we're going to be doing. Adam mentioned that he liked the idea of going to see Funny Girls. Yeah. We'll, um, we'll I'll come, put we'll, that the group. Have some more details, which is fine. Um, and we'll try and sort something out. We we'll obviously we'll, we'll go for a meal after. Um, we've all gone into the hotels, had yeah. showers, and tidied up for the night time. And obviously, still talking about running stuff. Uh, me, myself, and Alan, and Stephen, we're all going to be running the Rock Solid, which is already mentioned, which is on the nineteenth of September. It's literally two weeks' time. We'll have done it. Uh, if you have not sponsored us yet as part of the Disney Bit Running Team's efforts, please go to justgiving.com forward slash Disney Bit Running Team. Said we are raising all of this money for Cordwell Children. We want to raise as much money as we can in the build up to uh, September two thousand sixteen when we do the Disneyland Paris Half Marathon. But we want to do all these events in. Uh, 
in between in order to raise as much money as we possibly can for them. So we will obviously be reporting back on our own our adventures once we've done that uh, and about whether or not we're alive or not we'll uh, we'll find out but uh, please do go to justgiving.com forward slash disney brit running team and uh, and sponsor us there that would be absolutely brilliant if you could so thank you very much for that well have we got anything else to mention this week or oh, is that it um that could be it relating to disney but yeah, we ask you monkey bars have you started your upper body exercises uh, do you know what i have i've been going to boot camp never yeah i've been going to boot camp and uh, I've been taking part in uh, in my boot camp stuff, which has been really good, and uh, I've been really pushed along by people there, which is fantastic. I've been there's uh, there's somebody I work with there who um, who is absolute grueling taskmaster, um, who uh, who pushes me along and makes sure I do everything like I'm supposed to. So, uh, so that's good. Oh, that's that's not fair. I've 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 got elastic band arms. I'm yeah, well, to be honest. You know, I might still have. Then when we get to the monkey bars, I'm still going to fall off. So it, it really isn't going to make any difference. Right. That's the end of the show, which means it's time for this. So anyway, thank you very much for joining us again. Thank you, Alan. No problem. Anytime. And uh, if you want to keep up to date with everything that is going on, do go to DisneyBrit.com. You can find out all the past episodes. Also, follow us on Twitter at DisneyBrit and Facebook.com forward slash Podcast. You can, of course, join the DisneyBrit running team if you want to still. That's um, over at uh, DisneyBrit.com forward slash DBRT. That's for the sign up for um, our mailing list. And of course, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Disney Brit running team. As I've already just said, if you want to sponsor us, you can do justgiving.com forward slash Disney Brit running team. And if you want to contact us for absolutely anything at all, it's radio at disneybrit.com. So do check that out and, uh, and uh, send us any comments, questions, suggestions, anything like that. They'll be absolutely fantastic. We will be back next week with a uh, Disney Brit bite size show uh, where we will probably talk about something i don't even know what we're talking about i've got no idea uh but uh we will do that and uh, no doubt we're talking about how nervous we are for the fact that uh, the following week we're going to be doing that 10k mud obstacle running milton Keynes. so uh, that'd be cool uh that's it we will see you in a week's time until then we'll see you Everybody, <laughs> that was swell! <laughs> <laughs>